So I'm going to jump into this topic in just a second. Um, before I do, I wanted to just tell you about something really quick, which is that you've maybe heard me talk about Admission on this show before. Admission is the private community in Common Thread Collective, sort of the learning community for um, training in all things e-commerce. I mean, it really, every part of what it means to run an e-commerce business is an incredible program because it's not just courses, um, though there's a lot of backlogged information, tons of it, actually, like more than you could probably ever really get through all the way. Um, but beyond that, it's a community and access to the CTC team, but just as a member of a, a private membership community. Um, and, um, and so it is really cool. I think it's about as good of a learning opportunity as there possibly could be for somebody trying to get good in e-commerce. And the reason I'm bringing it up this week specifically, I've mentioned it sort of ad hoc a few times before in this show, but um, admission is actually opening up for free to everybody uh, for a limited time, no credit card required to check it out um, and really actually start to get access to all of that, including um, not only all of the content that's there uh, completely free, but it, which you can, I mean, you'll just have literally completely free, um, but also a, a direct line to the entire Common Thread Collective growth marketing team, which is amazing. I've, I've gotten to work with a lot of these people as I've stepped back into the CTC world. Um, but there's 150 people on this team. It covers e-com strategy, creative, email, SMS, paid search, paid social, like everything that you need to run a business and you can get access to all of it for free. So if you've never checked out Admission, go and do that. This is an absolute great, uh, absolutely great opportunity to go try it out completely for free. Um, again, no credit card required, anything like that. Go to youradmission.co, youradmission.co. Check the show notes. The link is there. Uh, you don't want to miss that. And uh, even in an episode here, where I'm going to talk about what it means to get great, like getting armed with this information will really help you. So go do that. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me today on another episode. And uh, today I want to talk about a topic. I think this is going to be a pretty short episode, but I want to talk about a topic uh, that I think is, is sort of operational and broad, but is really easy to lose sight of. A little exercise I like to take part in uh, once every month or two, maybe once a month is too much, but basically it's this. I want to take, I want to talk about making bigger changes, forcing myself to think bigger and more differently about what is happening in my business um, and how it could change and, and more sweeping changes. Let's get into it right now. Stay tuned. So here's exactly the issue, right? The issue is that uh, everybody's business in some ways it sometimes like stalls, okay? It stalls in some way or another and there's just kind of no avoiding that. It you, you have moments where you're just banging your head against the wall and it's just not working. I had a lot of those at 4 by 400 and I just couldn't see what was going on and what was going wrong. And, um, and so we kept tinkering and trying different stuff. But, um, but an exercise that I forgot to do, but that I am seeing now is really useful, uh, particularly from my perspective as a consultant. One of the, one of the um, because I'm doing consulting for brands, one of the things that I bring to the table for brands that I work with is the fact that I don't have history with them. So everything feels more like a blank, like everything feels changeable to me. There's nothing, I don't, I don't have any emotional tie to almost anything that a company is doing. All I'm trying to do is figure out how to make them more money, right? And so it's easy for me to walk in and tinker with stuff. Now that can come across, actually sometimes it can come across arrogant because things in companies, you know, companies 
that I'm working with, like the, it's full of smart people who are trying their best. And therefore, there's a reason for most of the things that they're doing. It may or may not be a good reason, but one mistake you can make uh, when you are working with uh, clients, and this is something I've learned a lot over time, is to just sort of walk in and assume, you know, oh, these dummies didn't, they got to make these really obvious changes. There's actually, it's rare, I think, that there's really obvious changes right away where where you, um, where there wasn't a decent reason why somebody was doing what they were doing, um, and and that made some sense. Now they could be totally wrong still, but um, com- coming in sort of <laughs> um, waving around your ideas as revolutionary or as obvious is not always a good way to go about it. That said, like I said, I still walk in with this fresh perspective, and so I look at businesses, and my only goal, as I said, is to win for them. So I, I look at products and margins and things that are selling a lot and things that are selling a little and historical data and go like, well, what if you did more of X? And sometimes the company says, well, we, it's not what we do and it's not what we're trying to do and it's not what our goals are or whatever. And what I want to do is push and say, well, why not? <laughs> Your goals can be whatever you want. And this is the fundamental principle here that I want to outline. In, in many, depending on the level of authority you're at in a company or whatever, right? You have the ability to do whatever you want. Uh, you know, again, there's there's some limitations to that. But just for a second, understand what I'm saying. You can make changes. Nobody is most times forcing you to do the thing you're doing, especially if you are a founder or, or a sort of a, a high-level executive somewhere. You actually have autonomy to, to change things, to do the things that you want to do in whatever ways you want to do them. So... Why not do the thing that's going to make you more money or give you more growth or you know generate more cash flow or whatever, uh, whatever your goal is? Why not make big changes? And here, here's really the big point that I want to say today. It's worth occasionally stepping back, looking at your business and saying, what are like what what would drastically what would step function change what I'm doing? What would what would significantly help my output in a way that like like my my tweaks and things like that wouldn't won't do it. Um, and and so I'm going to give you a few categories that I see this playing out in that I think are important and um and that can be helpful. So um so the first is price. This is something that I don't uh, I just don't price gets set for products in some of the least tested, least rational logical ways. It just price has this amazing way with products of um, becoming doctrine in a company so fast um, without anybody really thinking about why the, you're pricing the way you are and without any real optimization around the value. Like here's a great example. When, when we ran FC Goods, we, were, um, we, were, we, we had a bunch of pro- uh, products you know, listed at $5 increments, you know, like $95 or whatever it was, or uh, you know, $105. And one of the things that when we sold that company, the new owners came in and did, aside from making some, some fairly drastic price changes over more time, they also, um, they also just changed all those fives into nines. They're, they were assuming that a, a customer probably wasn't very price sensitive on those $4. And therefore, we were just giving away $4 on every purchase. And let's take a $95 object, right? That $95 uh, uh, product, by going up, $4 in price, assuming there's no drop-off in conversion rate, or if you do, it's really minimal. That's like, what, like 5% almost more margin back 
you know, 4% margin back or something like that, right? Uh, increase straight to the bottom line. You're just adding 4% to the bottom line, just like without even trying, right? It, it takes you four seconds and you can, you can do that really easily. Custom, you don't even know, need to notify your customers. They won't even know. They won't even care, right? Now that's a relatively small change though. That can make, you know, 4% can make a huge impact. Um, and, and, and what I think is, uh, even more interesting for some brands is to is to take much bigger leaps. Now, actually, FC Goods is a good example of a brand that did this, and I you know I can't really speak to how that worked out for them or not, uh, but it didn't sink their business. They didn't have a customer um, revolt or anything, and that's the kind of stuff that people fear is going to happen when they make price changes. That it's 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 going to make everybody fear. It just it just doesn't work that way. And the reason price is such a powerful large change is that price. First, um, the price of your products signals something. So it has real marketing value. It's very, very, I mean, it's almost impossible to really signal premiumness at a low price, no matter how good your product is, because people will always associate a low price with a less premium product and vice versa. If you price high, your product has to really stink. Now, I think this is less true, actually. So there's times when a high-priced product, you get it and you're just not very happy with it because now with a high price, your expectation for that product, the customer's expectation is high and now you have to be able to deliver on that. But um, it's the kind of thing where uh, it signals so strongly the value of the product that it becomes a really important marketing tool. So that's one thing. That can really change how people perceive your brand. And I would add as a subset to that discounting, if you are discounting regularly, what if you stopped? What if you stopped all discounting? And just told customers that. Or if you're a no discount brand, what if you reconsidered that doctrinal position and decided like, actually we can occasionally offer some discounts and here's how and here's where and we'll segment well and do those sorts of things that uh, make that effective, right? But those, and because those price changes make a huge impact. They make a huge impact on your customer behavior in a lot of cases, depending on the, the elasticity that uh, your customers have. But secondly, secondly, uh, it has a tremendous impact on your bottom line. And I think sometimes it's worth saying like, take a $20 item and raise it 10 bucks and just, and see what happens. Particularly for products that are not moving anyway, right? So this is where I would say like, look at your product catalog. And if you've got a really high velocity product and you know, it seems to be working well, it might not be the product that you want to adjust your price for, or it might be exactly the product you want to adjust your price for, who knows? Um, you know, if there's a high demand and especially if you're ever running out of it, then you've got low supply and so raise the price, right? That's the classic example. But um, the place I want to really apply this actually is on like secondary products. If you've got secondary products and they're not moving anyway, they're just sitting on your shelf, consider significantly changing the price. This is the logic of like a clearance section, of course, right? And people go down. But what if you went up? What if you're not signaling enough value on those products and that's why people don't want it? And um, and you know, what if you ran ads against that product? So you create a bunch more margin than run ads and, and who knows? Like it, it's the kind of thing that people go, oh, that'll never work. And here's what I want to tell you. Your sense of what will ever work is not reliable. <laughs> it's just not. There's like lots of things that work that you don't think will work and vice versa. And if you want major changes in your business, you have to make major changes, right? So if your outcomes are not what you want them to be, make bigger changes and get different outcomes, okay? So price is one of those where I think it's worth going back to that and saying, why is this the price of the product? Where does this fit in the market that customers are seeing? Where are we in terms of premiumness level? Where are we in terms of discounting relative to our competitors? How are they going to perceive this? Where are we at in terms of the margin that we want to get to? Um, especially if you're really struggling with profitability, it might be worth just saying, I just need to raise the price and I'm just going to get what I get there because I'm not profitable at this price anyway, so it's not worth doing. So price is one of them. Okay, product. Product is number two. I think I have five of these total. I should have told you that earlier. 
Number two, product. This is another thing that becomes gospel. People just keep running the same product for forever. We did this at Slick. Um, at Slick, we fought, um, we fought Slick products, right? Wash products for off-road vehicles. There's kind of two elements of it, right? CPG, like bottles, liquid, consumable liquid soaps and stuff like that that were refillable um, or, you know, that you'd, need, that you'd run out of and need to buy more of, okay? That's one of them. But then also we had these foam cannons that would sh- shoot soap on, on your car, right? You've maybe seen these pressure washer foam cannon kind of things. So, um, so a new customer who's coming to Slick for the first time, if they're not using a foam cannon, it's definitely the best experience for them to buy a foam cannon. So they buy a foam cannon. And then the goal is, how do we sell them soap over a long period of time so that they keep refilling that? Well, the problem is, we never generated meaningful LTV on that business the way that we would expect to. For a consumable product, it just was not good enough and it was pretty low margin. So now we had a price and and uh, and LTV problem. Well, we talked endlessly. The, the, the reason it was low margin, by the way, uh, is because shipping heavy bottles of liquid all over the place just like doesn't work. It's just like expensive. So, um, so that ate into our margins big time. The gross margin on the soaps themselves was fine. It was not, not amazing, but fine. Uh, so the, the, um, the, the thing that we kicked around was, if we are not getting the LTV we want, why don't we think about doing one of the following things? For example, um, uh, well, if we're not getting the margin we want, one thing we could do is change what products we sell, change the size, make them smaller, make them bigger, but maintain the price that you're at. I don't know. Um, uh, change the foam cannon into something more fun. You know, what happens if you, um, what happens if you turn it from a thing into like a fake, fake plastic toy gun kind of thing? Maybe somebody would have fun with that. I don't know. You know, if you're, if you're a gun person, you know, that who knows? What about, um, another idea that Taylor had, Taylor, uh, holiday had that, that we talked about a lot of times that other people hated, but that I thought was so interesting was what if you could make the foam green so that when you sprayed the soap, it sprayed green or blue or whatever, and didn't damage the car, right? Like, uh, or d- damage the off-road vehicle. Um, that way, it just was like a sort of like fun, very branded experience that drew attention to Slick and just kind of added a little bit of pop and fun to it, right? Maybe that would help. Um, another idea we had was what if we what if we went from liquid soaps and instead went to like, you know, pellets, like like uh, uh, pods, basically. Uh, would that change the shipping cost? Would that do anything like that? Would that also make it a more consistent customer experience so that you drop one pod and and, you know, eight ounces of water or whatever, and you got just the right amount of foam into the foam cannon um, uh, tank, you know, every, every single time. And and uh, and that way it was like a consistent experience instead of having customers try to mix a, a solution and, and water, right? Like, so there's like a lot of different things that we thought of that we just never really tried enough. We just never really got to enough. And we just kept trying to make these incremental changes to make our retention better. We tried a sale-based strategy and that helped, you know, these, these incremental changes helped for sure. They definitely did. Right. And we, we try to release other, you know, complimentary, uh, you know, CPG, pro- you know, like, uh, uh, consumable products, excuse me. And, and we tried all these different things and it just never really, it just never really worked. What if we had also thought about an entirely different thing that we're selling? You know, I don't know. What if it was like a membership community that became a big part of it and it became about meeting with other off-road enthusiasts and writing together because we would have had this and you could sell membership to that community and that becomes the real source of profit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that you could have thought about really outside the box, different things. I think apparel could have been an interesting thing for this business. Like, you know, there's, there's some brands in this space. Like I, I know there's one brand, I think it's FMF that sells like, uh, exhaust, um, stuff, exhaust products for dirt bikes. I think, I don't remember for sure. Um, 
Anyway, I see their t-shirts everywhere. They're for sure making a ton of money on apparel. What happens if we had tried to build the brand more around an enthusiast community, which we had, and said like membership community and apparel and make it a cool brand to rep, you know, and make make apparel a larger part of the business? Who knows? Like, I'm not saying that would have worked, but what I'm saying is we were not getting the results that we wanted on the products that we had. So why not change it? Who cares if you're actually selling mostly shirts, t-shirts versus soap? There's no moral value in one or the other, I don't think. Um, and so if your business shifts to move a different way, then shift with it and go make it and try and do something different. The thing to not do is keep making incremental changes and keep banging your head against the wall about all the ways your business isn't doing what you want it to do. Okay. Um, number three, uh, category. And this is related to product. Like why not literally completely shift the category that you're in uh, if you need to? So like in the case of Slick, you know, we, this is another example of this. We, um, we were dirt bike heavy to start because that was our background. Well, we started to move more towards ATV, UTV. What if we had instead ditched that entirely and said, we want to wash cars because there's just way more cars out there. And we started going that route. Or again, like the, the move from, um, you know, consumable product to, to apparel might represent a very similar idea. In the case of, um, Bamboo Earth, skincare brand, like what if actually there was a ton of money to be made selling wet shampoo, which is not skincare, but it's tangentially related. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, could you have done that? For FC Goods, we considered at different points adding other sports and seeing just not being a baseball brand and or or total other categories completely. Again, it's another brand where maybe you could build an apparel kind of enthusiast community or something around it. But consider uh, not only uh, not not selling the individual products that you usually do or, or adding different new products or significantly changing core products or whatever it is, but in totally shifting categories into something if you need to do that. That's hard to do as a brand in one shot, but over time, it's very possible. Okay, uh, this also applies to tactical day-to-day -day stuff a little bit more. So let's talk about a fourth example, which is ads. Um, you know, Another thing that happens is brands get stuck in a rut of like, this is how you do ads. You run this same kind of creative. UGC works for us, so we just keep doing UGC. Stills work for us, so we keep doing stills, whatever. With advertising, what if you significantly change the angle, offer, style of ad, format, um, like all of these things in big and meaningful ways. Number of ads you produce, uh, instead of going to the same creative meeting every week and saying, we're going to get these new five ads and just it, having it work or not work. And then you kind of rinse and repeat. What if you say, Hey, this process isn't working. How do we get 40 ads a week? Or how do we get two really, really good ads that we think are much better that, uh, and develop them out really well. You know, I mean, both of those approaches can work aim for quality aim for quantity, or, you know, even better. What if you try and build for both, um, significantly changing your approach, to all of this, uh, uh, to, to your to your ad account, um, because that's something that's scalable really, really fast if you hit. It can make a big difference very quickly. So make a big change and see if you can get a big difference in outcome. Uh, Dave Recook, Taylor Holiday did this at Bamboo Earth. You know, Bamboo was kind of moving along. It had some really good things about it. It had some problems. And since um, I've left and they've kind of, since Taylor came in with an outside perspective, just like I was talking about, and, and he hadn't been looking as closely at that ad account. And I remember he and I were talking and saying, like, maybe there just isn't more ceiling in this ad account at one point. He said, you know, you and Dave are smart guys. Like, you've, you've been at it for a while. Um, and you've been trying to do this. Why do we think that we can get bigger, you know? But eventually, uh, you know, he came back in with Dave and said, wait, actually, here's some things we're not doing 
that would be significantly changing the total approach to everything we're doing, bidding and, and format and creative output and all those things. So let's go and do that. And I mean, at some point they went from $3,000 a day in spend to $30,000 a day in spend within like a couple of weeks. And they didn't maintain that, right? But nonetheless, and they've been able to repeat that process since then. And it's the perfect example. It's not because I'm dumb or Dave was dumb before this happened. It's not because Dave suddenly leveled up in his level of genius. He's already a genius. If you know Dave Recook, if you've heard him on the show, he's a freaking smart guy. So, um, so what happened though, was somebody came with a drastically different idea. And I think a better one that helps too. Um, and, brought them into saying like, what if you did this really, really differently? They did it. It made a huge difference in the outcome. So listen to the advice of somebody like Taylor, who's, pu who's constantly publicly telling you, tweeted a great thread the other day about his approach to creative and to bidding and all that kind of stuff. You know, listen, go, go back to my episodes. You know, I've rehashed some of that kind of stuff that, that I've learned from watching that happen and implement it. See if you can do something really differently uh, and see what happens. Okay. Uh, if you keep doing the same thing you're doing there, you're going to get the same kind of outcomes, most likely. Number five, uh, your use of your time. This is like another, um, just like simple thing, but uh, it's so easy to get caught in these ruts of like, this is how I organize my day. I do these tasks and I do this. And then you're kind of are unproductive and you're constantly behind or whatever it is. And you're not getting the things done that you want. Like, what if you, what if you killed half of your meetings and you just told people like, we're just not doing that anymore. Send me a loom. It needs to be five minutes or less. Um, what if you... What if you eliminated Slack from your company, right? Like this is sort of like the base camp idea. Just like don't, I, you know, I don't know if they still have Slack or not, but like, you know, basically really made, created a, a culture where Slack doesn't get used as a thing that you have to respond to right away, but, um, but instead just gets used for occasional back and forth or whatever, right? More like email. Like, I, you know, who knows what the time usage thing is for you, but it's another thing I would look at and just say like, is this the best use of my time? Am I using it on the highest and best things for my company? And can I make a drastic change in my schedule in a way that will uh, accomplish something differently? I, I, you know, or what, what about like, if you're not getting enough emails out, what do you need to take off of your schedule that will help you to send more emails? Or if you're not getting enough ad creative going, what do you need to take off of your schedule to, to uh, generate more ad creative? If, uh, you know, if, if you want to, generate a big organic following. And so you need more YouTube content or something like that. And that's the way you're approaching it. What if you, what do you need to move so that you can generate more video creative or uh, more video assets? Like it could be anything like that. And, um, and, and, or, or, or <laughs> what if you need to be out raising money and, and not, uh, and have your hands in management so much or something like that, right? What can you move off of your schedule to make those kinds of things happen? That's the question I have. So there's a lot more of these you could do, but the question in the, at the big picture is this. If you, or the, the, the challenge is this, if you want significant changes in your business, if you are not achieving the outcomes you want, do not keep doing the things you're doing. Force yourself out of it. Bring in somebody to look at it, a friend, a consultant, whatever, and say, here's three big things that you should consider differently and listen carefully to them. Don't just write it off too quickly or try to get your own perspective or Figure out some way to get, get, you know, a team member to be really honest with you, even though they often won't be, right? Um, those kinds of things. Um, consider those possibilities and see where is there the best opportunity or what you think will be next. You won't be, uh, you won't be right all the time, and that's okay. But what you might be is able to do something different enough that it, it really creates a different outcome and potentially a whole bunch more value. It is your business. You get to do what you want. Make the changes that you want to make uh, if you are in that position and see what happens.
All right, a little bit of a little preachy today, maybe, I think, but uh, just something that's been on my mind so much. It's, it's just one of those funny things about being in the consulting position I'm in right now where, um, where I've had that experience myself a couple times, and then I've also thought about this related to my own time usage so much, like going, like, am I spending my time on the best thing next? What if I did something really different? Maybe I should be trying to build my own thing in a different way, and I don't know, should I've said for a little while I'm not trying to build an agency. Maybe I should go try and build an agency. Like I, you know, I don't know why. Why do I hold a dogmatic position about this sort of thing? So um, I'm not saying I'm going to go do that. I just mean uh, it's the kind of question I've been trying to ask myself. I've been uh, and, and ask of of uh, clients. I had one client call where we had this exact conversation. What can we do really differently if we're stuck? Because uh, if we're stuck, we don't want to just keep being stuck. So okay, you heard me say all that. Thanks so much for listening. As always. Uh, hey, here's a change you can make. Rate and review this show if you haven't done that already. I would really appreciate that. Uh, share it with somebody. Reach out to me on Twitter. All the usual stuff. At Andrew J. Ferris. Thank you so much for listening. Hope everything is going well with you.